the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Today on Cornerstone Connection with Pastor Gary Hamrick. This is not what happened. This is what happens. A lot of men are very irresponsible in our culture. They don't step up and take responsibility for their family. They don't step up and take responsibility for their own spiritual lives and for the spiritual lives of those in their home. They don't defend the truth of God's word. They don't defend their wives. They don't defend their kids. We have a lot of people, a lot of men who are unfortunately very irresponsible in our culture. May it not be said of us. Amen. This is Cornerstone Connection, the radio ministry of Pastor Gary Hamrick of Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. Pastor Gary is teaching through the book of Genesis. The same sins that Adam and Eve committed in the Garden of Eden are still being committed today. Pastor Gary will be exhorting us to be the men and women that God has called us to be and to stick to the roles he has given us. Eve was deceived by the serpent. And Adam followed Eve instead of leading her in the ways of God. The Bible says it was only Eve that was deceived. Adam was the one who deliberately sinned. Husbands are called to be the head of the household. That means they are called to lead by example, not follow. At the close of Pastor Gary's message today, I'll be sharing with you how you can get a copy of today's broadcast of Cornerstone Connection. Subscribe to the podcast or get in touch with us. But for now, let's join Pastor Gary for part two of today's message entitled, Don't Eat That. What happened here with Eve is that she ignored her conscience. She ignored that God-given moral compass that she was created with in His image and in His likeness. And she did the one thing that God said, don't do. Now, we understand this. As Christians, we get the fact. Sometimes you will have greater resolve to do what is right and to resist what is wrong. But then there will be other times that you, like Eve, will find your intellect wrestles with your conscience. And you will try to reason with yourself, and you will try to rationalize behavior that you contemplate, you know is wrong, but you begin with your intellect to wrestle with your conscience, and what happens is, instinctively, we begin then to rationalize, justify, we begin to think, well, nobody really sees, nobody should care, this won't affect anybody, and then we have that wrestling match between intellect and conscience, and it is during those times, please hear me on this, it is during those times when your conscience wrestles with your intellect that you must simply fall back on the fact that sometimes God says it is wrong and therefore it is wrong because he says so. Just simply and entirely because God says so. Why, why shouldn't we do this, God? Because he says so in his word. 
Now, do you remember as teenagers and your parents would use that? And it bugged you, right? You would say to your mom or dad, hey, can I go to this, can I go to this place? No, you can't. Why? Because I said so. And then you'd ask again. You'd press again. Well, please, you know, why can't everybody else is going here? Everybody else is doing this. Why can't I go? Because I said so. And then they throw this one. Did you love this one? End of conversation. <laughs> and that's kind of the seal the deal thing. It's just like, it's like, because I said so, you're still not getting it. End of conversation, right? Now, I remember as a teenager, and I remember being at, uh, I, it, was, it was like a Christian, it was, it was something, uh, certainly Christian in nature. It was like a retreat. It was like camp. I don't remember exactly where I was. But I remember being in a room full of other teenagers, a lot of people there, and there was this 20-something guy who was speaking. And I remember him talking about this whole idea of parents and telling kids that you can't do something because I said so. And I remember him saying, he said, you know, I, I honestly don't believe, this is what he said, I honestly don't believe that that is a legitimate response. He says, I, I just don't think that it's fair for parents to say to you teenagers because I said so. He said, you know, biblically, I really believe that we as parents have a responsibility to explain things to our kids, to help them to understand the whys behind why we say what we do, and to just kind of lovingly help them to understand all this. And I remember sitting there as a teenager going, yeah, (laughs) right on, power to the peeps, you know, and I was just sitting there going, well, when I was, okay, that saying wasn't around when I was a teenager, but I was, but I was just, I was, I was with it, you know, I, I latched onto that thing, I thought, this is right, until I became a parent. And then when I became a parent, I realized that is the stupidest advice anybody could give a teenager or a parent. That's the stupidest thing. Now, here's why. Here's why. And I, and I hate to, I, I know some of you are young and you're just thinking, oh, no. Really? Yeah, because here's the reason. Here's the reason why. I didn't get this when I was your age. So just, you know, kind of go with me on this. There's just a small likelihood that you just may not quite know as much as your mom and dad. <laughs> I know that's just like a novel idea, but, but the reality is that they might just have a skosh more wisdom and life experience and perspective in what they do and what they say. And that sometimes when they say, because I said so, that's just it. That's just it. Because likewise, us and God, us and God, sometimes... We just need to obey God because he said so. Since when is the creator of the universe obligated to explain the whys of all his commands? Since when? And I got to tell you something. As I, you know, was kind of in my mind doing kind of a cursory overview of scripture in general, I couldn't think of a time. Maybe you can. You can tell me later. I'm sure you will. Maybe... um, (laughs) Maybe you think of something. I couldn't think of a time when God actually explained the nuances behind his commands. Here's what he does. Here's what he does in Scripture. He gives a command, and then he attaches either a blessing for obeying the command, or he attaches a consequence for disobeying the command, or both. I just don't see where he's obligated to explain himself. In fact, as it relates to our story here, go back to chapter 2. We're going to look at again the command that God gave in relation to all of this story. Back in chapter 2, verse 16 and 17. Let's look at it again. Chapter 2, 16. And the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat of it, you will surely die. So he gives a command and he gives a consequence. And you don't see Adam standing here going, well, why? why? Why can't I eat from that tree, God? 
Why can't I, huh? Why can't I, huh? Why can't stop that? That's exactly why he doesn't explain it. Now, <laughs> we do this to God all the time. I don't want you to sleep with your girlfriend. Why? That seems so unfair. That's wrong. I love her. No, you lust her. You don't love her. And God is not obligated to explain every nuance. Why? In the same way. He knows. He knows we just don't have the capacity to necessarily understand. We don't have the wisdom and the life experience. We don't have the perspective that God has about all things. So he is not obligated to explain the whys of his commands. Sometimes we have to just obey because God says so. Because God says so. And when Eve's intellect was wrestling with her conscience in that moment, she should have said to the serpent, no, because God said so. I may not understand it, I may not appreciate it, I may not get it, but God said so, so no. That's what she should have said. Now, the tragedy in this, in this story, among several tragedies, is that Adam was derelict in his duty. He was derelict in his duty. He willfully refused to be the spiritual leader of his home. He willfully refused to be the spiritual leader of his home. And I use that military term intentionally, dereliction of duty, because this is a war, man. This is a war that we're in. We need to realize this is a war of light and darkness. This is a war of good and evil. This is a war of life and death. And we need to rise up as courageous, masculine, godly, spiritual leaders of our home Adam didn't do it. Adam did not do it. He stood idly by and did nothing. How do we know? Look back here, chapter 3 again, verse 6. Last part of verse 6. It says, She, that is Eve, also gave to her husband, who was with her, underline that, and he ate it. He was standing right there. The Bible tells us through that verse. Adam stood idly by instead of stepping in to defend his wife and defend the honor of God's word. He stood idly by. Now, the Puritans had a saying that really is not accurate. The old Puritans had a saying that went like this. When Adam was away, Eve went astray. That's just not true. Adam wasn't away. He was right there. That's how it went down. He was there. He wasn't away. And he watched Satan come. He watched Satan attack the truth, the veracity, the credibility of God's word. He watched Satan deceive the woman that he loved. He watched his wife step up into a leadership role because he wasn't. He watched his wife eat the fruit while he did nothing. It's a problem. Listen, this is not what happened. This is what happens. A lot of men are very irresponsible in our culture. They don't step up and take responsibility for their family. They don't step up and take responsibility for their own spiritual lives and for the spiritual lives of those in their home. They don't defend the truth of God's word. They don't defend their wives. They don't defend their kids. We have a lot of people, a lot of men who are unfortunately very irresponsible in our culture. May it not be said of us. Amen. But what happened here is he was just irresponsible. What he should have said at this moment what he should have said was, serpent, I don't know who you are, and I don't know where you came from, 
but you will not malign the truth of God's word. You will not deceive my wife. You will not distort what God said. I have dominion over you. It's time for you to go now. That's what he should have said. That's what he should have said. And when he didn't do that, when he didn't do that, what Eve should have done was she should have cried out to God. She should have appealed to her husband's authority. She should have cried out to God and she should have said, God, my husband is not defending the truth of your word. He is not leading our family. He is not fighting the serpent. He is not protecting our home. She's not crying out to God. Instead, what happens is the root of feminism steps forward right here. That's what happens. Now, some of you might push back and say, no, wait a minute, wait a minute. She was only stepping up because he wouldn't step in. That's what happened. Well, you know, some people think that there are three options as it relates to the family. Some people think either the man leads the home or the woman leads the home or Satan leads the home. That's what some people think. I don't see those three options when I look at Genesis 3. What I see are just two options. Either the man leads his family or Satan leads the family. That's what this chapter is telling us. Either the man leads the family or Satan will lead the family. Why do you think Satan went after the woman? Why do you think he went after the wife? I'll tell you the reason he went after the wife. He went after the wife because it was part of Satan's crafty plan to subvert and invert God's order in the family. And it is still God's, uh, rather Satan's plan today. He wants to subvert the family. He wants to invert the order that God has prescribed for the family unit. It is still Satan's plan today. What he's thinking is, if I can somehow invert the authority of the family, if I can crush the order of marriage, if I can cause men to be silent, passive cowards who sit idly by while their family is destroyed, and if I can cause women then to step up into a spiritual role of leadership in the family and to invert the role, then great. That's what Satan is thinking. Because he knows if he can destroy the family and the order of God's family, the rest of culture will follow. And that's what he's still after today. We have to be aware of his schemes. We have to see what he's trying to do here. And we have to see, man, listen, all of us are Adam. Women, all of you are Eve. You have to realize how the propensity to still go down the same path is alive and well today because we've inherited the sin nature of Adam and Eve. Now, this is how it goes down. Notice what happens. Verses 7 and 8. After they ate of the fruit, they sinned and they rebelled against God. Verse 7 says, Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. And then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Is this not the silliest thing you ever read? I mean, seriously, they, they seriously think that they're going to be able to crouch down behind a tree and hide from the creator, the all-seeing, all-knowing creator of the universe. We'll just hide from behind this little tree. <laughs> your kids ever do that? When your kids are in trouble, do they ever just kind of do this? Because uh, they think that then they're invisible. They close their eyes or they cover their face. People do this today. It's, human nature is still about fig leaves and trees. It's still what it's about. It's like hiding. You know, we don't want, so we, we know we're doing wrong. So, so uh, for the first time now, they're under conviction. You know, there's nothing wrong per se with their nakedness. What happens is they've experienced conviction for the very first time. And when they get under conviction, they become vulnerable. They feel this, they feel this exposure. Because sin has a way of just making us feel very exposed, doesn't it? You know what I'm talking about, right? I'm preaching to the right crowd, right? 
Everybody knows. You, sin, you do something you know is wrong, you feel very exposed. You feel very exposed. And, and your natural instinct is you want to run and, run and hide. I mean, you, we see it from birth, really. Look at your little kids. Look at like a three-year-old, particularly boys. Look at little three-year-old boys. They should be potty trained by now. They still have the little pull-up going. You know that deal? They got the pull-up going. It's like the safety net, right? And they know I should be using the potty, but they don't. So what they end up doing is you see them kind of, they move between, they wedge themselves between the end table and the couch. And they're doing their business. Am I right? And they know. They know you should be going to the bathroom, right? You should be actually going to that room. But instead, they know it's wrong. They're hiding behind the couch. They're wedging themselves between the end table and the couch. They're doing that deal. Well, you don't have to teach them that. They're hiding. They know they're not doing something they should do, so they hide. We instinctively do the same thing. We're just adults now. We hide from God. Look, there are two approaches to God when it comes to sin and conviction in your heart. You can either try to hide from Him, or you can run to Him. That's the option. Running to Him is always the better alternative. A lot of times, though, we don't want to run to God because we think we can't approach Him. It's kind of what Adam had going on here. It's like, well, I heard you coming and I was naked, so I hid. Well, what we don't often realize is that He's a loving Father. If you'll notice in this passage, God never comes to chastise them. He never comes to berate them. He's not, going to here, to, he's not here to beat them up. Actually, He asks them questions. His ent- entire dialogue with them is asking questions. And it's a good approach. If you as parents, you know, have your kids and they've done something wrong, instead of flying off and just kind of yelling at them and telling them, just ask them questions. Just ask. That's a very disarming way to get to the root of the issue. All right, let me ask. All right, who burned the house down? All right? You know, just, it's great. It, just, it works every time. Who burned the house down? All right, who, who's, who stuck peanut butter in your brother's ears? All right, who did this? You know, and, and just ask questions. That's what God does here. But now, now, he approaches Adam... It's, it's funny, that instinctive nature of trying to hide from God. Uh, Hebrews 4, verse 13 says, Nothing in all creation is hidden from the eyes of, of God. Everything will be exposed and laid bare before the eyes of Him to whom we must give an account. God sees everything. In case you don't know that, I just want you to know. He sees everything that you and I do. He, he sees everything publicly, privately. He knows our thoughts. He knows everything about us. He created us. Nothing can be hidden from Him. This whole thing is silly here. They're crouching behind trees or sowing fig leaves, and they think that they can hide from God. They can't hide from God. None of us can. And then God asks in verse 9, But the Lord God called to the man, Where are you? Where are you? That's the first question of the Bible. Very interesting. Now, earlier, Satan in his dialogue with Satan uh, uh, Satan in his dialogue with Eve asked her a question, Did God really say? But it wasn't really to get an answer. It was really a point of deception. This is really the first bona fide question in the Bible. It's interesting. The first question in the Bible is, where is man? When you go to the New Testament in Matthew, I think it's chapter 2, the first question in the New Testament is, where is God? Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? This is the whole story of the Bible. God has been on the hunt for you, and eventually man, if you will listen to that pursuit of God, will cry out to him. And the Lord asks Adam, where are you? Now, he's giving Adam a chance to repent right here. This is not a geographical question. This is a spiritual question. God knows where Adam is. He's not, you know, it's not like God's, Ali, Ali, I'm come free. I can't find where you are. He knows where they are. Okay? This is a question of a spiritual nature. Where are you in relation to me? That's what God wants to know. Where are you in relation to me? And Adam answers. Verse 10, he answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. Okay. Verse 11, and God said, who told you that you were naked? 
Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? You see these great questions. God is just prying his heart with questions. He wants Adam. You know what God always wants? Just full disclosure. Just come clean. Just repent. Just confess your sins. He is a loving father ready to forgive us of all our sins. He says, who told you that you were naked? Who told you? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat? Now, this is where it gets rich. Don't you love this response here? This is your typical blame shifting. This is great. Verse 12. The man said, here's Adam's defense. He said, the woman. I could just stop there, right? You get, I mean, you get the drift. He says, the woman you put here with me, well, you know, she gave me some fruit from the tree and I ate it. Don't you love that cowardly answer? And notice in the answer, he's not only blaming his wife, he's blaming God. He's blaming God because he says, the woman you put here, you know, Lord. Because God, if I remember, when it was just you and me, bro, it was good. It was, it was good. I had no problems. And then you gave me her, and it was good at first. She was walking around naked, cooking me food. It was great. And then something went tragically wrong. And uh, all of a sudden, then, she's eating this fruit, and she's giving it to me. I mean, you know, Lord, I'm just a victim, please. I think I need therapy and a little government assistance. That's what I need. And, he, and he's just, you know, he's like, Lord, you know, it's kind of it's her issue, right? I mean, she's been a pain in my side, literally. I mean, you know, literally. Since the day you created her from me, so, you know. Go ahead, have at her. Be easy with her, though. You know, I'm just going to step over here while you let her have it. <laughs> That's his response. Now, look at her response. It's no better. He turns to the woman, the Lord does. Verse 13, then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this you have done? And the woman said, the devil made me do it. <laughs> That's what she's saying. She says, the serpent deceived me and I ate. She said, you see that little wicked creature on the tree? The devil made me do it. <laughs> I wouldn't have done it, but the devil. Now, it's interesting that God doesn't turn to Satan at this point and ask him anything. He's just going to curse him. Who, who does Satan have left? There's nobody else in the universe to blame. So God didn't even waste his time asking the serpent. Next week, we're going to see the consequences to what they've done here. But everybody's just passing the blame. You know what God wants? You know what God wants? God wants us to just be responsible and to admit we're sinners. Wouldn't it be great if one of these politicians that you watch on TV who does something weird and gross and sinful and then, you know, they, they resign from office, wouldn't it be great if they just stepped up to a microphone and said, I am a wicked sinner and I'm resigning? Wouldn't that be great? That'd be awesome. Finally, someone is admitting the truth. I'm just a wicked sinner. You know the truth is? We're no different from the politicians. We're no different from anybody else. We're all wicked sinners to the core. And what God wants is us to just step up and say, you know, Lord... I am sorry for my sin. That's what he wants. That's what he stands ready to do. He's a loving father. He's a loving father. The question he asked Adam is the same question he's still asking us today. Where are you? Where are you in relation to God? You running from him? You still playing games? Because God sees it. God knows all the little tricks, all the games, all the times we hide. What he wants is for us just to step up and to say, Lord, I know you see this. I know it's sin, and I'm sorry. And every single time, our Father will forgive us. That's what He promises. 
This has been another edition of Cornerstone Connection, the teaching ministry of Pastor Gary Hamrick of Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. It's our prayer that this message from the book of Genesis taught by Pastor Gary was a blessing to you. If you were blessed by this message and would like to listen to or watch more messages, you can access all the messages you hear in this broadcast by visiting our website, cornerstoneconnection.cc. There, you'll find our entire teaching library covering Genesis to Revelation. If you'd like to add today's teaching to your personal study library, you can do so by logging on to cornerstoneconnection.cc, where you'll find Pastor Gary's message available as a free download. The easiest way to obtain today's study is to subscribe to our podcast. Subscribing is simple when you use programs such as iTunes. The podcast is always current and completely free. When you subscribe, you'll always be up to date with the latest messages from Pastor Gary. Again, for more information about our podcast, log on to cornerstoneconnection.cc. Well, that's all the time we have for today. We invite you to join us again for the next study with Pastor Gary's teaching through the book of Genesis. That's next time on Cornerstone Connection. They say you're a wandering soul That you've got no place to go But still you know You're not alone Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.